0: Greetings and welcome to RLM TV. God bless you in the name of Jesus Christ.
1: Amen. We're coming to you live from Miami, downtown, and the glory is abundant in His great, glorious glory. <laughs> and it's the uncreated light that gives the substance of the light, that primordial light with which He created the world. And with which he created your spirit Isn't that fascinating? That out of uncreated light He created the light And with that light He created you He created the angels too <laughs> But there's something beyond light We get excited when we see the light On the inside of us And we see our spirit Our soul And we see the shining of the brightness that he created in us. And we get excited when we see the brightness of the light of the angels. Because the angels are the glory of the Holy Spirit. So they're glorious (laughs) in glory and light. But what greater light do we have to encounter than even the light of the angels. The light of our own spirit. The light of the luminaries, the sun, the moon, and stars. Uncreated light. Of our heavenly father. The father, the son, and the holy spirit. And when we gaze into uncreated light. That is when we see. Light. And we begin to see him just as he is. And it is written that we will be transformed. Because we will. See him just as he is. Isn't that wonderful?
0: (laughs) Religion obliterates, excuse me, revelation obliterates religion. I want you guys to type that in the comments. Revelation obliterates religion. So this is the last uh, day of the series on breaking off the religious spirit and breaking off religious strongholds. Ultimately, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ progressively believed by his people that delivers them daily from religion. Now, understand this is one of the keys to consistent revelation, which keeps you free. It's the daily bread, that revelatory word, that living word that comes down from God that keeps you free and well fed. And the picture and revelation of those that are free and well-fed are like frolicking lambs, like free young lambs. And so this revelation comes through the part of your spirit that is shining his true light, that uncreated light that Rebecca was just talking about. So understand, in the beginning, God created them in his image. Now, his image, John four twenty four, is something called spirit. Mm-hmm. God is Spirit and we must worship God in spirit and truth it is written. So now what is the image bearing of Yadhe Vavhe, the name of the Creator in Torah and the Gospels? Because Jesus only well he he knew a couple other languages, but his primary language and written and oral language was ancient Hebrew. Anyone that says otherwise doesn't understand. Of course. The one who taught Hebrew, and the one that used Hebrew to create the world, spoke it. Aramaic was not his main language. Everyone in the first century, we have documented proof, spoke all the Jews spoke Hebrew in Israel. And Aramaic and Greek were side languages. Okay, truth anyhow. Surely the Messiah... His main language was Hebrew, but he's a genius because he's fully God and fully man. So he did speak Aramaic and Greek as well. Now, understand this. The light being, that's Hebrews 1.3. If you study that out in Hebrews 1.3, it says that God is the light being. The word light there is Shekinah, the Shekinah being. So therefore, the image bearing of the original design of man and woman, is being light beings, bearing God's image. So, what is the fall? What are you coming out of? What are you being delivered from? What is all the sin in the world? And what is religion in the world? I tell you the truth, it's the spirit man that doesn't bear God's image, which is Shekinah. So, being born again is once again in your spirit, bearing God's image. And that is simply True light, uncreated Shekinah glory. Now you grow in his image, because just like a child when you you birth in the natural, well, it doesn't stay that baby. You know, the baby sometimes doesn't look like the parents, or they'll say, oh, he's got your eyes, or look at, he's got your hair, or this, that. But the image really comes about when he grows up. Right? First in the natural, so you understand. Then in the spiritual, it is written. So as your spirit man develops and grows up, it much, much, thousands and thousands of times more so begins to look like your father in heaven. But that's only through revelation. You know, a a dead letter or a sealed letter. Who can open the scroll? The scroll is the word of God. They lamented Revelation 4, 4 because no one could open the scroll. No one could understand the word. The word was sealed, which means it wasn't emitting the Shekinah light of life, the Shekinah light of salvation. So now, asking Jesus into your heart, you have the Rabboni and the gardener of John 22, (laughs) you know, the man of the gospel, who the gospel is about, Jesus, on the inside of you. Why? Mm For the revelation of Jesus Christ to unfold the mysteries of the kingdom within you through his word, which simply means the word that gives forth Shekinah. Now, this is what salvation is. It's your spirit, man, progressively bearing forth the glory light. Now, it's not just light as you know it. It's not like just the light in the natural where you turn on a switch. God's light is different. It's the light of the word which means it's a truth that obliterates lies. The reason why the spirit man does not emit light at birth, you know, when you're born of woman, born of flesh, is because everyone is born completely fallen. When you're born again, the true evidence of that is your spirit begins to bear his image, which is what? Shekinah, of the light being. And growing in that is evidence that you're growing in Christ So cut out all the weeds and all the lies and everything else that doesn't emit Shekinah because it's not from God the Father. For God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And we are the children of light if we walk and grow in that true Shekinah light of the word of God, which is the spirit of truth every single day. Amen.
1: Amen. I'm really excited to be Uh, really walking in a greater measure in my Beazle Boo anointing. Mm -hmm. And I know if you've seen uh, Brandon posted something from the shop. I had an encounter with the Lord. Where that design comes from, obviously, the Holy Kabbalah is highly symbolic on the outfit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we recently, I think it might be published already. You can check in our home goods section. (laughs) I made some plates. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just was thinking, you know, we were looking at uh, different dishes and plates. You know, it's like, um, what is it like uh, when we, the human thing that we like to have things in our house, the animal crossing effect. You know, you like to, we like to arrange the furniture and uh, have a nice plate to eat off of. You know, it's the human experience in the natural realm. Why do you like to go shopping? You know, guys, why do you like to look at cars and you want to have a nice car? Where does that desire come from? What are those things that people want in the earthly realm? And then you go into heaven and you see them in their perfection there. You're longing for the heavenly things, you're longing for heaven on earth. So that's why, you know, you love Pinterest. That's why, you know, we love. Uh, the home good section. Why? You're longing for heaven. It's this underlying desire. Why do people go and run after anything? Whether it's good or whether it's sin, there's a part of you that's longing for heaven. And if you're not satisfied on the daily bread, if you're not satisfied on the uncreated light, or even the light that God provides, you'll be going after false light. So we say satisfied... And how do we stay satisfied? Look, you don't even have time to think about your false love withdrawal (laughs) symptoms when you're enthralled in revelation. You don't even have the time to be worried about what everybody else is doing and being a monitoring spirit in other people's lives, checking in to make sure they're not doing that well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You don't have time to think about that when you're enthralled with the mysteries of Torah and you're getting to know God better and you're adding uh, faithfulness (laughs) and righteousness and virtues are sprouting in your life as you're engaging in Torah because you want to know about everything like Enoch, he said, "I I wish to know about everything well just, who are you going to go to for your source of wanting to know now satan will offer you all kinds of secrets right away with no discipline as much sometimes he'll offer a lot of power power which isn't anything long lasting it's not anything that will sustain you it won't even satisfy you (laughs) but when you get into the kingdom you find daily bread delicious heavenly manna delicious fruits of the spirit it's just so thrilling and then you have a, such a fun time going through you'll have so much fun even doing your laundry or putting away dishes it's such a like a, a joy like there's so much glory on like the dishes and the the bed uh you know, the laundry all the little things that people might say oh you know something changes when you do everything that you do for the lord it's not a burden And you're in the flow of things so you know when it's time for you to do something or it's time, you know, to do something else. So those of you who just never know what to do with your life, this is just the right path for you. (laughs) You'll have angels around you constantly telling you what to do. And then when it's your downtime, they'll be letting you know it's your free time, downtime. But you'll likely want to be engaging in mysteries of Torah, even when you're at work, even when you're busy doing other things. It's that wonder, the awe and wonder, it's the wonder bread. (laughs) The awe and wonder of those mysteries you're contemplating, it gives life to everything that you do. There's no drudgery, there's no uh, annoyance. It's not even possible to be upset if uh, your entire dinner is ruined or can't make it to you. I remember that was one of the the tests uh, when I first got into righteousness I know we're Americans so we love the DoorDash and we love the Uber Eats we love Amazon right that's a big part of our culture and that's a great it can be a great blessing as long as we're not in the spirit of gluttony (laughs) and serving demons whatever you do in the Lord it's glorious it's for his glory it increases the Shekinah and now some of you may be tested in these different little first world problem areas right like, irritations about housework. Irritations about your job. Irritations the family. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I first went cosmic. It was back in, like, the world of Asaya. I think it was, like, Tifra of Asaya. And I was living in Texas. And Let's th- type
0: this in the <laughs> comments. Irritations are for glorifications.
1: Amen. And there would be these manifestations sometimes where I'd be tested that... Uh, none of my food would be good or it would get canceled or something would just happen with my if I tried to order food or something it just it wouldn't pan out right and I just remember I didn't care and everything was just so fine and wonderful something switched something happened inside me to where my joy it wasn't possible for my joy to decrease even if they messed up my whole order even if it disappeared off the face of the earth and it couldn't show up it couldn't decrease my joy and i don't mean like pretend imaginary joy i'll just choose to be happy like the actual emotional experience there's no distress there's no stress there's no pressure in the kind of stomach region of your inner man and oh what am i gonna do what do you mean what am i gonna do we just probably just don't need to eat right now like
0: Reminds me of the <laughs> irritations of the DoorDash one time in Minneapolis. <laughs> the guy went down the wrong street and threw the bags of food out of the car door window, and I found it smeared all over the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. a good test. Oh man! No? <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> you see,
1: like, good to see you all on the other Are side you of able doing to your forget, job. brother? Can you forgive? Make let's make it real. Oh, it was
0: hard. Oh, um, Jesus.
1: Help me why Lord, why do you give me my hardest test the hardest test? It's DoorDash. It's literally just your dinner. <laughs> Meanwhile, children are starving in Africa. And you're not giving in to the poverty spirit about it. Amen. <laughs> you only give this is the Jewish principle and it's in the Bible as well. It's about, you know, in the in the oral tradition of Moses, it talks about giving to the deserving poor we give to the deserving and undeserving but when do we give when do we give to the poor when the spirit impulse of the Holy Spirit leads us to simple as that
0: isn't that an interesting concept how the Apostle Paul says there are qualified poor and widows that receive help Mm -hmm. and then he says there are disqualified poor and widows that should not receive our help if they're gossips Mm -hmm. he said Mm -hmm. they're disqualified from any any support Mm -hmm. that's fascinating yeah so there is a merit for support Mm -hmm. amongst the poor and the widows according to the apostle paul and you know that's written in scripture
1: and then you have the women like we have some women who follow rlm the widows they just they pray and they fast and they love the lord and they serve him they serve others and they they know their post and what they're supposed to be doing for the lord and they do it and that's what you want in your life you want to know what your post is or where you're supposed to be at least this season you know you might not be to your office yet or your your calling your destiny isn't manifest it takes a long time uh, to get the training before god's going to release you into the fullness of your calling Uh, whether it's your you know there's a specific thing that god has made you for and a lot of times people get discouraged in the process Mm. So just learn to embrace the process. You have to embrace the process, and then you can learn to enjoy the process. Uh, But again, these little tests, it's usually like...
0: That's good. The evidence that you've embraced the process is that you're beginning to enjoy the process, which is Mm -hmm. you fall in love with sanctification (laughs) because the results of even the pruning produces more of Christ, Uh it's the evidence that you love Him more than the world.
1: Oh yeah, and I noticed today, too, the Lord was showing me that some of you have really begun to uh, embrace the scalpel knife of the Lord of circumcision, or the correction, and now you're beginning to understand, oh, that's why there's such a severe correction, that's why they're attacking demons, and now, as those are fleeing from you and you're repenting, you're experiencing more the favor of the lord and kingdom a little bit of kingdom honor remember when a little favor and a little honor comes your way god that's also a test to see if you'll take it unto yourself and exalt yourself with it or if you will humble yourself even further which means more favor with god and more favor with man as well and those are just seeds of the kingdom that you're sowing so understand the temptation for most baby Christians.
0: Humble yourself yeah. even
1: further. Oh yeah, whoo! That's the if you can humble yourself when God gives you favor, mm-hmm. you are set because you're just gonna you're gonna miss out on all the mistakes that most people make, which is a good thing. Uh, when the signs and wonders, let's say you repent, you get covered in gold dust, you can, and all of a sudden, like you're the source of you know the learning and the teaching, and you're like on Malkut or something like that. Cra- something crazy like that. You just you never know what the, the carnal mind is at war with God. So that's why the severity is for the carnal mind. It's for the nefesh. The nefesh was, oh, it's gross. There's a little Nile. I don't even want to talk. It's too gross. I want to enjoy my, my coffee here. I have a nice decaf honey glory latte with white gold honey. It's just delicious. So I don't want to think about the Nile too much because they're nasty. But enjoy the process. Just keep in that humility flow and you're going to grow. Just trust the process. When we trust the process, then we can embrace the process and we can enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. And you're in process. We're in process.
0: Yeah. What's that verse? He is faithful to finish what he began in you. That means you can trust the process, that faithfulness, Mm -hmm. that he is faithful to finish what he started, which means... That first taste of light, I called the down payment of the Holy Spirit. The day you're born again, born of spirit and mm-hmm. water, John chapter 3.
1: I like your version of that verse. He is faithful to circumcise the crap out of us. Mm. <laughs> that's my favorite.
0: He's faithful to cut away everything in your spirit, soul, and mind that's not Jesus. Remember, I labor amongst you tirelessly <laughs> until Jesus is fully formed in you. It is written... That's the apostle's job that the Word of God continues to prune and trim away all the humanity of your spirit. The human spirit has to be obliterated. (laughs) The human soul has to be obliterated. It was the human spirit, soul, and flesh that were driven out of the garden in Genesis. Okay? Do not think... Now, this is where religion really deceives the nations. You think because you believe in Jesus that your spirit, soul, and flesh just go into Eden and go into heaven and now you're accepted by God, but you skip the whole process of sanctification. Remember, only Jesus is accepted by God. Every part of the human spirit, human soul, and human flesh is completely rejected by God. And if you don't believe that, you don't understand sanctification at all. So come and learn. The whole point of the gospel is now Jesus progressively formed in you. Don't think God's accepting anyone else. Your rewards in heaven are only the amount of Jesus formed in your spirit and how much he was able to prune out the human spirit. So the whole world of Messiah that all of you are dealing with right now is getting the human spirit obliterated out of the divine spirit and out of Christ being formed in your spirit, and he'll be formed in your spirit by simply having the word of God written on your spirit mm-hmm. by angels with the evidence of the river of life, John 7:38. When the river of life of the power of the resurrection of the spirit of holiness that raised Jesus from the dead is emitting from your spirit, you begin to rise out of the dust of the earth, black Malkut into white Malkut, which is the mountaintop. You can call it Mount Carmel, but let's call it Mount Calvary. Because now, through the cross, you're actually terminating the human being. When he was resurrected, he was in a different form, wasn't he? Not recognizable to any of his disciples who had just spent three and a half years with him. Which means the resurrected form is completely and totally different than the human form. It doesn't talk the same, it doesn't act the same, it, is complete, it doesn't look the same, it's different. Now this is evidenced by the gospel. He was raised in a different form, unrecognizable to his friends. Understand, so your resurrection form will be unrecognizable to your friends, your family, your close companions, even your family. Your, your immediate family, your spouse and your kids will often not be able to recognize the new person that's in Christ. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's completely and totally divine. Mm-hmm. And the human nature, its tendencies are to begin to attack and accuse it of being prideful because God is better than us. When God is beginning to grow in you, he is better than you. And the humility is recognizing that and confessing that with your mouth that even though Christ is increasing in me, I am not Christ. Now this is what John the Baptist said, what is his witness? Christ comes after me. I must decrease, he must increase. That's John the Baptist's witness, which means the whole sanctification process is the increase of the Mm -hmm. Messiah, but you are still there with the witness that I am not the Messiah, but the Messiah has come after me because I've made straight the way of the Lord. Now that's the spirit of Elijah. That's also all the prophetic of all true Christian growth. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So you are simply getting out of the way in your spirit, your soul, and your flesh. And this fellowship is amongst the, the humility of the ones who've learned to make straight the path. If you make it straight, which is sanctification, guess who comes after me? Mm-hmm. Jesus, 100% of the time. And that's how he grows in all our hearts. Amen.
1: Amen. I was just seeing uh, humility being the opposite of self-centeredness. Uh, in uh, Rick Joyner's book, The Valley... And this is a good word because all of you are going through the valley. When you're going through the valley of Isaiah, right, God sent you a messiah to get you out of Isaiah. What did Rick Joyner have in his book that was an instruction, I believe it was a quote from Enoch that they had encountered. And uh, he said, self-centeredness will get you killed in the valley so it takes great humility to go through the valley and continue up worlds without getting killed and that's going to be key because humility is the root of all the virtues so we can always increase in humility and that will always be beneficial and it will keep you from getting killed in the valley so grow in humility, don't die in the valley
0: humility really after you come into saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ is being able to distinguish the difference between you and the Messiah in you like John the Baptist saying he Mm -hmm. comes after me so you have a person in you whose sandals you're not fit to untie that will crush the human pride and cause the person to really humble themselves if they truly realize that glory
1: amen and understand that it's humility that causes you to rise uh, that's the main thing, is humility. Whoa, angels. Hey, mm. that's the main thing. Because if you humble yourself, he will exalt you, or he will lift you up. And what does that mean? He lifts you up into the cosmos. So the accurate measurement of humility is how high you're going into the cosmos. Because without humility, you won't see YHVH, which is more of his rungs of his name. And because it's him. And yeah, so... <laughs> When uh, w- we lift ourselves up, we're humbled, right? So, people have experienced when they try to put themselves at a higher rung than they actually have the humility, which is, you know, the circumcision, the actual change. Uh, when they do that, they get humbled back down to a lower rung. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because uh, then you're not going to die like that uh, if you get humbled to go back to where you're supposed to be. At least, you know you can stay alive and continue to have the opportunity to repent. Uh, one of the most severe judgments is when God just stops correcting. That's, a really, that's one of the most severe because then you don't have any chance in this life uh, to learn. You get all the punishment later on. And so that's not a good thing. We want you to be able to learn. And how to do that? Humility. And grace comes through what? Humility. It takes grace to rise but he only gives the grace to rise to who the yep, humble I
0: only give grace to the humble it is written
1: and so bob jones talked about the end of that common grace uh, you know it, it's just really important humility really is the main thing for rising and the more the higher you go you're literally you know like what's a little mouse uh, in narnia he's like my Bye. great, humility. My How great he, humility. Check out my great humility. He gets his little mouse tail restored. <laughs> little little mouse, the most humble person <laughs> in the world. <laughs> 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 and so you can actually measure, and then what happens is if you go to a certain height, then you step into the clippeth. uh If you leave, you know, the sephrot, and you go into the clippeth Do you remember quantum entanglement? What is? What's that? Basic principle that most people can understand. Very simplified form, don't come at me if you're like, you know, a rocket scientist. Uh, but the basic understanding of entangled particles is what if you measure one and let's say it's spinning one way, the particle that it's entangled will automatically be spinning the other way. So understand that when you get uh, to a certain heights, uh, any height in the Sephiroth, and then, if you leave and you go into the clippeth because uh, you know envy, jealousy, uh, witchcraft, prayers, um, whatever kind of crap people get into, y- you step out. All of a sudden, you're entangled with hell, which means even though it looks and feels like you're at a high height, that height is actually a depth of hell. So that's how much deeper than every in hell you are than everyone just on Malkuth of holiness. So if you Step out like you dip out. <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's like underneath Asaya. Underneath Malchut of Asaya. If you see like the below, like the underground abyss. Um, that's Seven where you holes. are. It's down way. So the higher you go, if you go out, you're like, it's like, wow, almost Tartarus. <laughs> you know, I can see Tartarus from my house. No, get me out of here. Save me Jesus. Get back in to the Sephiroth. But the good thing is. If you repent quickly, you can just step back into your wrong where you're at. Because God's merciful. And if you just fell all the way down had to start over, no one would ever make it. Because everyone makes mistakes sometimes. So you just stay in righteousness. How? Humility. Humility, the sword, the word of God. If there's pride, we don't feel like eating the Bible. If there's humility, we're hungry for the word. We're hungry from right- for righteousness. So and speaking of which i want you to go ahead and grab your notes because as we were discussing uh some of this study and brandon mentioned it just a little bit here at the beginning uh i've had a hunch about something for a little while Mm. so i decided to look into it and do some anointed research study with the angels and with the holy ghost and just you know you know how it is follow the holy ghost highlights the breadcrumb trails and then uh, you find some stuff, and it's just like, oh wow, okay, and the signs and wonders come. So, uh, I've been looking into this, and I'd finally gotten some research and materials about it. I'm going to tell you this while you're getting your notes and your notebooks ready. Uh, Glass, I want you to take out your notes. And uh, this is important to heaven. As I was starting to speak out loud, I looked to Brandon last night and said, I believe, you know, this teaching and this Revelation. This study that, this what this is, is, um, you know, this such and such a thing, and as I'm talking to him about this and these revelations, this study, I see manifest angel wings, over us and over Brendan's head, like angel wings everywhere. And was, oh wow, okay, this is even more important than I thought. I don't. It's not normal to see that strong of a manifestation, and I see them kind of doing that sh- sh- thing with the sh- sh- thing right now. And I turn around, and I'm doing dishes because dishes are glorious. And I'm so overwhelmed. All of a sudden, something happens, and the lid thing just pops off, smashes a plate in the sink, and breaks the plate. And it, it broke when I said this, I believe, after these angel wings have manifested. I believe that this study is for the destruction of the religious principalities. And then breaks the plate. But the plate didn't just break. It was a random, I don't even know how the lid of the pan just, I don't even know. It was like, how does that even happen? It was a clean break exactly right in half. Just exactly, it would match them up. They're I couldn't have done it that way if I tried. Exactly right down the center. Like this is wild. What is this? And uh,
0: separating the religious from the righteous right now, it symbolizes mm-hmm. judgment.
1: Amen. And so it was such a strange sign and wonder. I, you know, message apostle Shadrach and he's kind of like you know he, he operates in the office of the prophet uh, for this ministry. So there oftentimes the way God makes it is that we rely on each other in the body of Christ. He doesn't give every single thing to just one person, right? He has us work together uh, in military and in business and God's business. And so when I reached out to him, I'm like, we just had this sign of wonder happen, the angel wings and you know, the other stuff is happening. Well, this sign happened. And what he said was it was a sign and wonder, it was a sign of victory, mm-hmm. a sign of victory. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. That's really encouraging so that is what we were studying about and it has to do with breaking the religious spirit so i thought what a great time to get our notes and let's do a little bit of this anointed study because when i got into it i'm going to read this part to you that i did post online but this is important when i went to copy and paste from this article from the is the times of israel just copying pasting the times
0: of israel which is like a israeli news source
1: mm-hmm, yeah and then this is a featured uh featured blog post that they had on here and who? oh this yeah it was very scholarly and when i pasted it it somehow pasted Sheba ongoing fight keep watching <laughs> i was like Amen. okay
0: yeah there were so many signs and wonders around this and it was like <laughs> i guess it was
1: from like some advertisement in the middle of the page but when i went back to try to copy and paste it i couldn't even try to i, I tried and then the next advertisement come and i tried to i tried to do it myself i could not copy and paste it
0: and the headline read bb is right jesus spoke yeah. hebrew yeah that was the title of the article in the israeli times
1: yeah, and it literally says <laughs> verbatim here, your holiness, comma, your space, B.B. was right. <laughs> Jesus spoke Hebrew, exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> oh Isn't that man. glorious? That's yeah. kinda, I see the wow. wine there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right! Praise God. That so, one's just so over the top. Uh, so we're going to start with that, and I know I posted it on Facebook, but I do also realize there's a lot more people, I uh, think, that watch this live than see this, and another sign and wonder again brandon spirit reacted in all three possible or at least three of the good possible reactions
0: (laughs) we've never seen any other post have that but that's like the fifth time that somehow my facebook profile has hearted liked, and wowed and wowed a post yeah the same I mean, and his is the
1: only person it's, it's the only name that it that comes up no one else's name <laughs> does this
0: it's like triple confirmation on certain on certain key that, posts the key posts that she posts <laughs> it's That's like check check, three check. different of uh, likes hearts mm-hmm. and wows on the same it's thing same it's impossible profile. It's no one has else not. has ever happened it's never happened before with anyone else so this is really Crazy. cool. Yeah, love it. So
1: uh, we're g- we're gonna go in here, and again, when you're taking your notes, you can just write down the Holy Ghost highlights or anything that stands out to you, or if it's just interesting to you. Sometimes the things that are interesting to us are the Holy Ghost highlights. And you become more sensitive to His voice the more time you spend in the Word, right? So if you are one of those people where later on you're like, Oh, oh, I knew that, Oh, He told me, and I didn't realize it was Him. Spend more time engaging in Torah. And then you'll recognize his voice more readily so that you don't have that hindsight whoops I messed up that was the voice of God you you engage in Torah so that doesn't happen okay all right so uh, let's go into this Uh, we have not a single example of a Jewish teacher of the first century in the land of Israel teaching from any other version of the scriptures than Hebrew in addition Jesus is often described speaking in parables These were delivered orally in popular, non-scholarly settings. They were also in Hebrew. Outside of the Gospels, story parables of the type associated with Jesus are to be found only in rabbinic literature, and without exception, they are all in Hebrew. What language did Jesus speak? Their differences of opinion reflect changes taking place among scholars, but have yet to make their way fully to mainstream popular understanding. So understand the scholars as uh, the better research comes out, as they make these discoveries, the scholars are the first kind of to know about it, but everyone is still perpetuating the same old, what everyone has been thinking scholars is true for the last 20 Scholars are usually
0: pretty religious. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, but you know what's great is their hard work, as just even if they're in their heart or their head about it god uses the scholars and so even if they have a lot of unbelief or they're not very spiritual people if they're a real scholar or god is using them you can go in and get the revelation Mm -hmm. and just go in there with the holy ghost and you'll see how if you have great wisdom if you have wisdom and understanding And that means you understand the interpretation of the Bible through the Holy Ghost and the Word of God in the cosmos and on the earth. Then that's how your eyes are going to be open and enlightened with the understanding. Your eye is single and full of light. What is eye single and full of light? Well, the eyes are Hakma and Bina. What's that oneness there between Hakma, Bina, and Keter? It means those three are one. The eye in the eye of God, he he guides you, he leads you with his eye. That's Keter. The Ayin. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So you can abandon uh, your own thoughts and practices and ways for being led by his will. That's his will. That lightning crown of Keter. So that's how you go into scholarship and you don't get bogged down with the religious spirits. You just go in and when there's true anointed scholarship the Holy Spirit will show you and lead you into all truth that's a promise the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth so follow him and go by the word of God so their differences of opinion reflect changes taking place among scholars but which have yet to make their fully fully mainstream popular understanding beginning in the middle of the 19th century a mistaken notion took hold that has, by and large, continued to dominate both scholarly and popular opinion. So what was that mistaken notion of the 19th century that became popular and still being circulated? And that's exactly when it said, Sheba, ongoing fight, keep watching. (laughs) It literally just says that. Today, many still assume that by the 1st century CE, Hebrew was a dead language, or existed only among sparse pockets of the highly educated, not dissimilar to medieval Latin. As a consequence, it is commonly thought that Jesus only knew Aramaic. Yet the results of a century of archaeological evidence have challenged this assumption and brought a sea of change of understanding regarding the linguistic environment of first century Judea. The inscriptional and literary evidence reflects a reality not unlike what we find with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Of the 700 non-biblical texts from the Qumran Library, the Qumran Library 120 are in Aramaic and 28 in Greek, while 550 scrolls were written in Hebrew. Jesus lived in a trilingual land in which Hebrew and Aramaic were widely in use. A relative latecomer, Greek was introduced in the 4th century BCE with the arrival of Alexander the Great and his Hellenistic successors. By the 1st century CE, Aramaic served as the lingua franca of the Near East and there is little question that Jesus knew and spoke Aramaic. Hebrew, on the other hand, was more limited in use as the language of discourse among the Jewish people. The New Testament presents Jesus knowledgeable of both written and spoken Hebrew. Both written and spoken Hebrew. And that's important. He is portrayed reading and teaching from the Bible. And there are clear indications in these accounts that he used the Hebrew scriptures. In this, he was not alone. We have not a single example of a Jewish teacher of the first century in the land of Israel teaching from any other version of the scriptures than Hebrew. In addition, Jesus is often described speaking in parables. These were delivered orally in popular non-scholarly settings they were also in hebrew outside of the gospels story parables of the type associated with jesus are to be found only in rabbinic literature and without exception they are all in hebrew we have not a parable we have not a single parable in aramaic so it seems that according to jewish custom one did not tell parables in Aramaic. To suggest that Jesus told his parables in Aramaic is to ignore, ignore overwhelming evidence to the contrary. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs>
0: and I think the big question is why? Why such a <laughs> effort by the scholars To cover up the original Hebrew written and spoken Mm -hmm. language of of the Messiah. And this is what it boils down to.
1: I, I believe. This is the hunch that I've had is, you know, as we've been studying the oral tradition of Moses, the Old Testament, then now going back and looking at the New Testament, we know the New Testament is a greater covenant, which means it's more powerful. And so when you're going into the Greek, why is it so concealed with the Greek And, you know, you can find, I've been able to find in there, you know, the the Hebrew and Greek equivalents. But why are, to get a text, to have the information you want, there are so many paywalls. You have to get, like, usually a physical book, or you have to learn Hebrew. Like, it's very limited. It kind of reminds me of, uh, there's a scroll of Enoch, like a complete version, that someone even had testified who was on the team, the archaeological team, There was a whole scandal and a cover-up about a full like text of Enoch being available. It kind of reminds me of that how certain things in the scholarship world have been just kind of hid, taken and hid. And they said it was like a rich Arabic prince who bought it and had it for his own private uh, library in use. Why would they cover it up, pretend like it doesn't exist? All these kinds of things. Where does that come from? It comes from the principalities of religion. So my hunch and what God's been confirming with all these signs and wonders and manifestations that have been happening following uh, these studies is that the reason why the principalities of religion have decided to try and limit Christian scholars from walking in New Testament Kabbalah. Because if you had the Hebrew... That's their greatest fear. Exactly, because it is superior to the Old Testament Kabbalah that they used to right. enslave the world.
0: That's exactly it's it. And the, the root reason why yeah. the devils were adamant about covering yep. up the original Hebrew was to keep Kabbalah mm-hmm. amongst the Jews that had rejected Jesus. So the Christians mm-hmm. would never walk in the power of the Hebrew Kabbalah of the New Mm -hmm. Testament that's infinitely superior to the Hebrew Kabbalah of the Old Mm -hmm. Testament. Therefore, to this day, I mean, that's really what oppresses and controls the whole universe. But as the Christians really understand New Testament Kabbalah, it will completely make the heavens new, which in turn automatically makes New Earth. And that's the scandal That's the cover-up, and that's the reason why.
1: Yep. And so, and the other side of that is they're also wanting to keep those Jews who don't know Jesus Christ as Messiah, Mashiach. They wanted to keep the Jews enslaved to the bondage of the Klippith, which means they never accept Jesus Christ. Why would the Jews accept Jesus as the Jewish Messiah? If he walked in a greater Kabbalah than Moses, because Moses walked in a holy Kabbalah, Enoch walked in holy Kabbalah, and they know all of that. They know, right? They're not deluded in the same way that uh, Christians have. They've gotten into this like Greek paganism and call it Christianity, and just ignore uh, all the tradition of Moses. Yeah. Ignore and all the heavens all the and the j- government of literature. the stars of
0: Torah. Mm-hmm. And th- that's what makes the New Testament in its Gentile mm-hmm. form completely unfulfilling to mm-hmm. the Tanakh. And that's why it's irrelevant because mm-hmm. it doesn't have any kind of uh, cosmic government attributes mm-hmm. that Torah of Moses has. But when you take it into the Hebrew, it is a superior Kabbalah mm-hmm. in every way. And that, I believe... Mm-hmm. You know, when you begin to walk in that New Testament Kabbalah of Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ and the apostles of the Lamb and you you see revelation really going into the heavens, into the stars, into the sun, into the moon, which is Torah government and and taking over. That is what will get their attention and that is Mm -hmm. what will remove the principalities.
1: And what's the evidence that it works is it works in the marketplace like for the Jews. Uh, you know, historically, people there's been so many. You know, people make uh, jokes or assumptions or conspiracies about why are the Jews always? You know, they have money. You know, the whole rich Jew kind of a trope. Uh, you know, Kabbalah works. Whether they're Jewish, Jewish uh, sorcerers who are serving the Klipath, or they're faithful Jews serving Yatevavhe to an extent the klippith sorcery does work why did it work for so long why why do they get the money and the favor and the grace and the importance it's when the people of god are not walking in righteousness yep and so if if you don't have the heights remember the the two uh, mountain ranges we've looked at it you have to have the heights of righteousness because if there's no heights of right, heights of righteousness the clippeth prevails
0: if god's people are not in the heavens ruling the heavens the enemy will be by default that's Mm -hmm. the principle of the promised land and the canaanites and the giants that are in the land Mm -hmm. but now as we take the heights and we take the heavens they'll all be thrown down when scripture says i saw satan fall like lightning and archangel michael threw down the red dragon it's talking about that happening continuously in the heavens as god's people christian kabbalah begins to ascend through the rungs of jacob's ladder biblically in holiness and that will displace all the enemies of christ and ultimately that is what the book of revelation is all about taking back the second heavens that's our mission That is why we're here. Mm -hmm. That is the purpose of this ministry and the reason and and the destiny of this generation. And that is what will conquer death. For death is an angel in the heavens that rules over the earth and over biological life through the light of the sun and the moon and the stars. When you begin to take the heavens back from those fallen angels, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen.
1: Amen. So I've been studying uh, this uh, literary work on the Hebrew, evidence for the Hebrew New Testament. And this is uh, by uh, Dr. Garza, who is a certified scholar in Jewish culture and context. And this has just been really fascinating. I want to read a little bit of these passages to you here. So uh, let's see here, he's talking about the Greek myth. So for the last 2,000 years, there has been a debate about the identity and person named Yeshua or Jesus. This person lived in the first century in Jerusalem and died at the hands of Jews and Gentiles. The Jews rejected his claims that he was the Jewish Messiah foretold by the prophets in their Hebrew Bible. That's the Tanakh. After the destruction of the Jewish temple, and the exile of the Jews from their land at 70 A.D., the nations took hold of Yeshua, Jesus, as their Christ, which in Greek means Anointed One. The early Greek, the early Greek, and Latin, this figure notes the early Greek and Latin church fathers abandoned the Jewish roots and foundation laid by the apostles in the first century. The belief that the Jews were solely responsible for the death of Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, forced them down a road of trying to establish doctrinal views and creeds, which ultimately led to many divisions within the early churches. So that's the root source of those, you know, those demons in the different church denominations, our views, our beliefs, our doctrine, you know, that demon of the struggle to try to establish doctrinal views and creeds why where did that come from that belief that the jews were solely responsible for the death of jesus so it it really comes down to that kind of anti-semitism uh demon it really comes down to why are you blaming oh the jews the pharisees killed him and you hear that in their bible studies it was the Jews it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, you know there but were Jews the that Roman followed Jesus the Roman soldiers Gentiles exactly so it was
0: equally Gentiles and the whole world killed him and all on, nations killed him
1: and on top of that most <laughs> Bible believing speaking in tongues Christians would crucify him and still do crucify him today they kill him they murder when you murder the prophets with slander backbiting envying jealousy strife you're murdering Christ formed in those people. When Christ is formed in a po- in a prophet, in an apostle, and you sin against Christ formed in that person, you are murdering the Son of God again.
0: Yep, it's touch not my anointed one and do my prophets right. no harm. Amen.
1: Especially if someone is an ascended one with Christ, which is what you have gone into the humility of the death to self. Remember, even the world of absolute is about the it's all about the annihilation of self you don't even really start in the annihilation of self until you get to the seventh week of righteousness so it takes a lot of humility it, to go up into these worlds and get that out of you and get all those things out of you
0: attack those negative thoughts those negative thoughts are mm-hmm. fiery darts of the evil one
1: yeah but you don't have to believe those as your thoughts you can just reject them say you know i'm not going to believe what the demons are trying to tell me Amen. to think, I'm going to fill my thoughts with engaging in Torah, worshiping God, having positive thoughts towards others, being kind and forgiving towards others. Because guess what? Anointed people in your life, right? your, let's say your spouse is anointed, your friends are anointed. Let's say you're anointed. Have you been, are you an anointed one? You're a Christ one. You're growing in grace and glory. You've had signs and wonders you know you're in the you're you're in the oil you experience the glory you realize the glory is that you have you made mistakes have you ever been you know mean to someone have you said the wrong thing so walk in grace and forgiveness yeah and just bam just curse every thief of oil and just let those things just be anathema out of all of your lives because stolen oil Will get you killed in the cosmos. Okay, so that's it's important. All right, uh, but rising. So when someone has risen, many weeks, and they have the engraved ineffable names of God, and we're talking about the names that the Jews would not even say out loud, even if they knew them. You had to be like, yeah, uh, really. They keep they keep them very secret. How the actual uh, pronouncing the names of God ineffable names of God. People would want to know them so that they could do like magic with it back in the day, in the ancient times. <laughs> and now we have those names engraved in us emanating Shekinah glory continuously. Alive. He is. So when you sin against that kind of a person, you're not sinning against me. You're not sinning against Brandon. You're sinning against the very name of God. When you sin against someone's fully sanctified neshama, You're sinning against the throne of God. It's true. The higher someone goes in righteousness, when you sin against that person, you're really just sinning against God. You're not sinning against a man or a woman. You're sinning against the name of God. His very name that he holds, you know, the word of God is what? Written on sapphire stones. You're sinning against the word of God. You're sinning against the name of God. And so understanding getting out of that carnal brain that's just a person it's just a man it's just a woman no that's the tetragrammaton engraved in sapphire stones up many worlds and weeks that's sin you're sinning against when in my case when you're walking to in the eye and beyond you're sinning against a a member of the heavenly jerusalem in the third heavens like a, a card carrying citizen of heavenly jerusalem You're sinning against that. You're sinning against the gates of heaven, the golden gates of of those pearly gates of the Lord's city that he loves the most. And so when you understand that, like, oh, the fear of the Lord, can like, wow, that's not a good thing to sin against. Whereas like, just if you're down in Malkut and someone is clippething you and then you get mad at them and you sin against them, it's still sin, but you sinned against like a devil or you sinned against someone's foreskin and membrane, or, you know, someone's carnal nature. But still, you shouldn't dust sin that and way. Dust dust. Yeah. Just throwing dust around. Yep.
0: But when it's the divine nature, there's no dust throwing. It's the, the beams of light from Tiferet. It's the beams of light from the Tiferet of the Father. His glory light sinning against the glory is a grievous sin because what it does is it calluses a person against the light Mm -hmm. to just fortify themselves in darkness and that's why it's just so terrible Mm -hmm. for them and when christians do that they really fortify a bewitchment upon their souls Mm -hmm. so that god is further and further away and just the types and shadows of god are all they walk in and that's why most have the testimony of a fading glory and they've never had an ever-increasing glory because they begin to attack things higher than they've been taught or understand because they're still Mm -hmm. mostly human and haven't been sanctified much even most of the leaders of the glory stream in the charismatic church are infants in christ that don't understand the ladder that don't understand ascension Mm -hmm. accurately and they certainly don't understand true christian kabbalah of jesus Mm -hmm. christ which is what will be established in the days ahead to make new heavens amen
1: amen all right uh um so I want to just share a little bit more here from this, uh, because this is exposing the principalities of religion. Where do they where do they subvert things? Where do they uh, get in? And how can you get them out of your own thinking and, and way of studying the Bible? It's just coming out of Christian paganism, coming out of religious demons of demonic doctrines and limitations of religious boxes of the tabernacle of Molech and the star of Remphan and the false Jesus of Satan, Samael of the Clibbeth. You want to come out of that? How do we actually do that? We get wisdom, we get understanding, and we (laughs) we exodus the crap out of that place and get to Neshama, which is the world of Berea. Okay, so... The man who was born a Jew in the town of Bethlehem and who became known to many as the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, son of God, has been lost. Why the early Greek and Latin church fathers abandoned the Jewish roots and foundations laid by the apostles in the first century. And I want to advise you not to really look up Jewish roots on like YouTube and online. There's a lot of weird, some of the weirdest, most religious, most demonic crap you can find they title it Hebrew Roots this has nothing to do with any of that garbage this is about the anointed scholarship of the Holy Ghost and Jesus Christ the Jewish Messiah fulfilling Tanakh which includes written and oral Torah Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all that that's why he is the true Mashiach he's the Messiah okay which, which
0: ultimately, mm-hmm. the, the reason why it's so important is because it's a much greater Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. It's not just for scholarship and accuracy. It is what, the, the, what that really means, that Jesus is the fulfillment of Hebrew, and Christianity is truly an entirely mm-hmm. Hebrew and Jewish faith. Because what it means, it takes the sun, moon, and stars of, of Torah, of Genesis mm-hmm. 1, and it shifts it for the, the body of Christ mm-hmm. to have that in Christian Kabbalah because it's in Hebrew alone yeah. that the heavens were created. And without Hebrew, there's no ascension of, Hebrew mm-hmm. c- of, of the heavens because they were created by that yeah. language. That is the oral tradition of Moses. That's what Judaism, that's Orthodox Judaism. So Orthodox Christianity is simply Orthodox Judaism in the Messiah and then demonstrating it from the heavens. And that's what was trying to be sealed away and kept secret. The fallen angels were so scared of the fulfillment of the, mm-hmm. of the greater Kabbalah that would come through the New Testament if it remained mm-hmm. Hebrew.
1: Yep. The enemy does not want you to know how powerful you're going to be in Christ to be working righteousness and true justice in cosmic ascension through circumcision, which is righteousness. Like Bob Jones, the prophet Bob Jones said, you're going to populate the stars. You're going to walk in the stars. You're going to be in the heavens. He said, fly into the sun like an eagle, fly into the sun. What does that mean? This is what it's about. This is the anointed scholarship that brings a manifestation of holy angels in our apartment and gold, the signs and wonders of the confrontation and the war, the fight. What's this Sheba fight? It's the, you know, I'm fighting for our people to have the stars back.
0: Amen. And the ruling to take of dominion
1: the world. over the second heavens. Total dominion of the second heavens. Amen. That's what we're talking about. That's the fight. And then on earth, as it is in heaven, there won't be any heavens at that point, including the second heavens that have anything other than the will of God. And that's how you're going to have heaven on earth. It's the will of the Father. Not human will, not human opinion, the Father's will and so just give you the glory and the honor and the praise we give you the glory heavenly father for your victory your dreams your will coming to pass on the earth and enforced in the second heavens so to the greeks so how was that long awaited jewish messiah lost in a sense now we just have doctrines and creeds and the jews don't want anything to do with it because there's n- there's no fulfillment of moses to the greeks He has become a type of Hellenistic Jew called Christ. And for that, you can write Prince of Greece. To the Latin church and leaders, he has become the foundation of Rome. And for that, you can write Prince of Rome. So you have the Prince of Greece and the Prince of Rome behind this, who are cosmic principalities, against whom only, I believe, Michael and Gabriel uh, make a stand against in the second heavens up until these times. I know there's words about other angels being released from the higher heavens, uh, but that is something that we'll be learning about in the times to come. So that's the foundation for two false Jesuses, the Prince of Rome and the Prince of Greece. So to the Greeks, which would be likely if you've been to a charismatic or glory stream church or um Baptist church, non-denominational church, that was the principality that was in charge of those belief systems. To the Greeks, he has become a type of Hellenistic Jew called Christ. To the Latin church and leaders, think the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope, uh, Italy, and different Orthodox, religious uh, churches, he has become the foundation of Rome. For all to come and worship and be led by the Holy Father called the Pope. Which, in the kingdom of hell, fun fact, uh, the Pope is called the only begotten son of Satan. That's what they call him in hell. The only begotten son of Satan. And he has or had the black yachita equivalent. Which is why uh, when we went to New York, I had to get my yachita the day before so we'd have that level when we went in to establish and it was needed was like my baby yachita trying to catch up to like what i needed to do i was like i've just (laughs) i just i just got it just trying to feed it Uh, but what we found is after what we did in new york uh, the clippeth sent the pope to new york to try to undo what we did
0: pope came right where we were a week afterwards Mm -hmm. with a black yachita to try to undo what we did in new york that's really a mm-hmm. stronghold of the Clippeth cabalists is new mm-hmm. york city it's r- they were very unsuccessful yeah and
1: they were very unsuccessful in their attempts because of what we had established in righteousness there were angels that were released there to maintain what was established are we done with new york nope there's a lot more work needed to do but uh, i was very encouraged that they were not able to undo have new, new, what yeah. new new york was done new new york exactly amen god bless (laughs) new york the angels in new york are just like Mm. amazing they have so much personality too uh the captain when we were coming in from the airport uh you're just walking and as soon as we came into this certain section where they had i I don't know i think it was like where they sell the different things you can buy that little region all of a sudden there was this huge company of angels they're like the greeting party and the captain the host of New York was there, and they would just had like, they were New Yorkers, man, (laughs) and they were (laughs) really special, and they were getting our uh, angels up to date with all the information and the report on how they'd secured the different areas and things like that in preparation, so that was pretty cool, but I was so impressed by the New York angels, they were really amazing. Uh,
0: Yeah, that was really powerful.
1: Yeah, that was so fun. I can't wait to go back. (laughs) I love everywhere God sent us to go it's been amazing amen so that's the foundation for the two false Jesuses that's the prince of Rome the prince of Greece okay and then this is a little bit from the author here too in my early 20s I was convinced that the New Testament had been initially written in Greek and again this is coming from a certified scholar in Jewish culture and context okay is a, he has a he goes as the title is Doctor, so he at least has his doctorate, which for the glory people, I know you don't really care that much about it, but sometimes it kind of helps the Nefesh soul to kind of. Yeah, like,
0: it's all based on you know, scholarly reser- research, research at the highest level of the right. universe.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so it's fascinating. So in my early 20s, I was convinced that the New Testament had been initially written in Greek. I used to quote Jesus from the New Testament Greek text as if he said it in Greek. I never once thought if that was right or wrong. Oh, my demonic
0: canopies.
1: (laughs) Western scholars had trained me that the New Testament was written in Greek by the apostles themselves. Even though some early Greek and Latin fathers make mention of Hebrew gospels, and letters, which were seen by uh, Papius, Jerome, and Irenaeus, there has been no discussion about the possibility of a Hebrew original written by these same apostles. Just as the Roman Catholic Church holds to a Latin language Bible supremacy, so also the Western Greek scholars hold to a Greek New Testament Bible supremacy. You see that? So, under Prince, your Prince of Rome section, you can write, The Roman Catholic Church holds to a Latin language Bible supremacy. And then under uh, the Prince of Greece, right? those two demonic false Jesuses, those princes of the uh, enemy, angel armies, under the Prince of Greece, in your notes you can put, The Western Greek scholars hold to a Greek New Testament Bible supremacy. That is the influence of those two false Jesuses. One is the Prince of Greece. One is the Prince of Rome. And those are demon overlords over your satanic Freemasonry churches that are, what are they, how are they subverted? When the 501c3, all that.
0: Well, I think it's also important to point out, too, that the Hashin. Uh, the the Lashon HaKadosh, which means the holy tongue, the holy language, the language that Yadavav spoke creation into existence, which is ancient Hebrew. The reason why it's important that the gospel and the epistles, and it's a Hebrew in the um, Lashon HaKadosh, is because of the Tower of Babel, the other languages were given principalities, that they're they're unholy languages that are governed Mm -hmm. by devils. So, I mean, that, that is Orthodox Judaism. That is as uh, a fact. That's the, what happened at the Tower of Babel. They were given order to 70 princes of the fallen angels. So to put the gospel in the New Testament under those Tower of Babel scattered languages really diminishes its divinity and its potency in where it's important in sun, moon, and, tong- uh, sun, moon, and stars. And I believe that's also corresponding to why Revelation says, and by his potent magic spells he deceived all nations and that's that's speaking of mm-hmm. deceiving all Christians because they're not in the hashan the lashan mm-hmm. hakadesh they're in the tower of babel and that's why a part of the reason why it's called babylon the great because even the religion mm-hmm. of the messiah the the covenant of the messiah was taken and and twisted to be brought under the tower of babel
1: amen that's really good
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, then he continues after that and says, Once I realized that Yeshua, Jesus, right, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, spoke and taught in Hebrew to his disciples. So once I realized Yeshua, Jesus, spoke and taught in Hebrew to his disciples. Right, if that's how they learned it and heard it from Jesus... I began to look at the New Testament through another set of lenses. The Hebrew scriptures and Jewish literature. What is that? That's oral Torah. The Hebrew... So this is the lenses. Once he realized that Yeshua Jesus spoke and taught in Hebrew to his disciples, he began to look at the New Testament through this set of lenses. And you can write this down. The Hebrew scriptures and Jewish literature regarding the Jewish messiah. It's not a Greek messiah, it's a Jewish messiah. It's not a Roman Catholic messiah. He's a Jewish messiah, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews.
0: It's essential, otherwise there's really no inheritance whatsoever.
1: So test every Jesus. If you encounter a Jesus.
0: If the Jesus doesn't connect (laughs) to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that means there's no inheritance with, you know, Yadavav, angel of Yadavav, and what was given to Israel in the Old Testament. And that is the ultimate Mm cover-up to keep people in a new testament form that Mm -hmm. denies the power thereof what's the power thereof the connection to the generations of abraham isaac and jacob who were given the stars and the sands Mm -hmm. of the universe and no other people were given that but if the christians embrace a false messiah they have no inheritance and that's why most Mm -hmm. of this uh, gentile christianity is about suffering and it's about always having constant problems and it's it's just an absolute mess and that's that's nowhere near the true message of when you bring the New Testament into the oral tradition of Moses. And now it's about more than conquering. Now it's about and it co-heirs with Christ of the heavens and the universe. It's about ruling and reigning. And almost none of these aspects are seen in any group of Christians on the planet right now. And we're saying that's because the principalities took it away mm-hmm. from the Jewish tradition and the inheritance yeah. that was given to the Jews in the Old Testament. We need to go back and connect to that. And then that is the connection also to the stars where the real inheritance is. I will give you the heavens. Mm
1: -hmm. Rising from the dust of the earth. So thank you, Father, for Prince Michael and Gabriel released against those cosmic enemies of the Prince of Rome and the Prince of Greece. And now understand... The ultimate
0: death blow to religion. Yes. Amen.
1: And so understand that... (laughs) The Prince of Rome and the Prince of Greece pretend to be Jesus, so they, they take on the appearance of Jesus. They teach their doctrines, their demonic doctrines that appear. Well, how did the fruit look to Eve? Mm. It looked perfect. It looked really good. It looked uh, good for food. It looked good for manna. You could say it looked good for bread is the teaching false
0: hidden manna yep
1: (laughs) so this is really eye opening when you look in this so those lenses we must see the New Testament through the lenses of the Hebrew scriptures and Jewish literature and if you read the New Testament stories when Jesus appeared to them he explained to them and they they, they didn't recognize Jesus they walked along the way didn't our hearts burn within us why did their hearts burn within them he was the jewish messiah raised from the dead and he was explaining everything to them from the old testament and the the law and the prophets he was explaining through the scriptures what was the scriptures back then the tanakh the hebrew jewish bible he came to fulfill that so we can't get into the pagan uh, greek christianity of the prince of greece and just ignore Moses, because this is the song of Moses and the Lamb. He came to fulfill the scriptures, but it's not going to make sense if you're not uh, if you're not in the school, and we have it in the master class here, if you're not in that school of the oral tradition of Jesus Christ, which is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, okay, so. We have not a single example of a Jewish teacher of the first century in the land of Israel teaching from any other version of the scriptures than Hebrew. Outside of the Gospels, story parables associated with this type type associated with Jesus are to be found only in rabbinic literature, and without exception, they are all in Hebrew. We have not a single parable in Aramaic. So it seems that according to Jewish custom, they didn't Tell parables in Aramaic. So to suggest that Jesus told us parables in Aramaic is to ignore the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. And so this is a massive statement by Dr. Nutley. The majority of Western scholars teach that Yeshua, Jesus, and his apostles quote and teach from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament Bible. There is no evidence that any rabbi in the land of israel in the first century used or quoted from the greek septuagint there have been no greek new testament manuscripts or fragments discovered or found in israel jerusalem or within the judean desert (laughs) okay where he "Don't worry, I'll wait." Where is it? Don't worry, I'll wait. They
0: translated them in the Greek nations outside mm-hmm. of of the Hebrew realm.
1: Yep, <laughs> the majority of Greek New Testament texts were found in Egypt and or Alexandria, mm-hmm. and we know with the oral tradition some of the history there. When they rounded them up for the Alexandrian Library updates, they wanted the Jews like, "Give us your Tanakh because it's powerful." They all had a secret kind of a key word key code there was a way these jewish scribes and scholars were just like on another level of they would memorize the torah to where they could handwrite it every jot and tittle every vowel point exactly oftentimes some of them could do it from memory they were so highly trained in this but they had a secret kind of a code about them if an enemy kingdom asks you for Torah, you give them, you still give, you give them Torah, but it's without the secret, like without, it, it's, it's a different way. Why, what is that? Because they, they like serpent wisdom, protect your secret knowledge of power because they didn't want that power to come into the hands of an evil nation who didn't love Israel. Do you love Jerusalem? So if they weren't loving Jerusalem, It was righteousness to them, that their teaching to not give them the full ordeal, to give them the full shebang. You know, the mysteries of righteousness were not for enemy nations. And so they they could all replicate the exact same thing. For this is what we give to the enemies, you know, and then this is what we know. Yeah, the scribes purposely tradition. give him
0: different translations mm-hmm. to conceal the power of Torah. That's yep. a historical fact.
1: Yep. So, uh, so the majority of Greek New, tec- New Testament texts were found in Egypt. New Testament, Egypt, and/or Alexandria. So, okay. This also concluded by the leading. Uh, this is also concluded by the leading Hebrew biblical scholar Emmanuel Tov. Now, isn't all of that fascinating? And then. When you look at the oral tradition of Moses, the four kingdoms that subjugated Israel Babylonia, so you can write these down Babylonia, Persia, Greece, and Rome, which is signified by Edom. Okay. So Babylonia, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And we may get into those in the coming days, but understanding uh, the influence and power when we're looking at, we're mainly looking at, in this case, Babylon. Because the Persian uh, occupation, that Persian ruling, was kind of that bridge in time to where they were, it, it wasn't really considered an exile because it was the bridge time for them to be able to go and rebuild the temple. So when there's the rebuilding of the temple, it's not really considered like exile. There was like the favor of the Lord, the rebuilding of the temple. So when we're talking about uh, these groupings, you can put on. Uh, on the left hand side you can put greece in the middle you could put rome and then on the right hand side you could put babylon slash persian why are you grouping those two together because out of the babylon babylonian exile then you had that persian uh, in between bridge time to where they could rebuild the temple and there was some warfare there obviously there was warfare around rebuilding the temple as it happens in these days as we're rebuilding the cosmic temple within you within us who is the opposition it's the same opposition same demon principality that's been around for thousands of years been around for a long long time longer than that
0: prince of persia and Medea, or media mm-hmm. yep
1: <laughs> so um, when you look at those kingdoms of babylon rome and greece their power and their influence. The most influential out of the three, and the most powerful, now going through, you can go through all the different wars in the history and their influence and culture and what's lasting from that today, and all take all those things into consideration, consolidate it down. Uh, Rome was the most influential out of the three. Persia, the second most influential. And then the third most influential, uh, Greek. And so we can have here we Prince of Rome, uh, i put that under uh, Most Influential, Prince of Persia, Second Most Influential, and then Prince of Greece, Third Most Influential. And for the Prince of Greece, you can put Javan, J-A-V-A-N. And then under Rome, that is Samael, Prince of Rome is Samael. Prince of Babylon, Dobiel, or another spelling is Dubiel, D-U-B-B-I-E-L. Dobl or Dubiel. Okay. And you'll start to recognize it looks like our Clip Clip study. And you know what's really interesting is looking at in the Prince of Rome and looking at Rome. Royal Arena. Risa de Alma. Literally Arena of the World or arena of the king. Brisa de Malka, that's about Malkut. So that's all in the oral tradition study on that uh, kingdom and what that war is, what that battle is. What that Roman Colosseum is, is the arena of the world or arena of the king, which is the battle that will be fought for kingship. That's what this apostleship is going for, is to take out that enemy. That's the calling and the destiny here for the arena of the world. It's the fight for the arena of the world. Again, like you mentioned, we'll be dealing with the Persian. It's that kind of when you're in the process of building, you deal with the media principality, Persia, which is, you know, the media empire. And that's that bridge uh, to be going to that place, to rebuild the temple, dealing with the media. But the f- one of the final ones is the arena of the world, the arena of the king, and uh, the Persian Dubiel, and yeah, that is the Hebrew for God is my bear, B-E-A-R. Some mysteries in there. Uh, Dubiel was one of Israel's special accusers, and by that, you know, special accusers, it's not a compliment. Okay, uh, whew yeah he had once overseen heaven for 21 days while gabriel was uh temporarily somewhere else for reasons i had you know i see things and i experienced, i encountered gabriel before i don't really have to talk about all this these little details maybe when we're a little more grown up we could talk about this but um it's just confirmations of things that i've seen and experienced in heaven so just think of Dubiel like the anti-gabriel Okay. while Dubiel was in power, prince of Persia, or one of the princes of Persia, he became corrupt through national bias and elevated Persia in favor over Israel, the country that was under Gabriel's protection. When Gabriel was returned to power, he restored Israel to the position of most favored. So it's about the favor and grace and importance belonging to the people of God and not to the enemy. All right. And then we have under Greek Javen. And I have here in my notes uh, Pan. The Greek god Pan. We, we might see him, you might recognize him from our studies in the master class. He's the god of shepherds, hunters, and the wilds of nature. So think Christian-Greek culture of hunting each other and hunting those who are unrighteousness. Hunting each other, hunting those who are unrighteousness. False shepherding and the wilds of nature. He's also the companion of nymphs and the god of rustic music and impromptus, which is that Greek-Christian pagan culture of emotional infidelity, like emotional fornication. Uh, raw fornication uh, with Satan's and with others, right? People say, I'm getting attacked by whatever, blah, 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 and it's, you know, that's that nymph. Uh, rulership, it is what it is. The god of rustic music, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like this. an impromptus, what does that mean? Something made or done without preparation. For example, an impromptu party, when someone decides to get together at the last minute. And then rustic music is often associated with acoustic and folksy music. It has a loose improvisational feel. So it's all about this. There's no kingdom preparation. It's just impromptu. Follow your own heart. Do what you want to. Just laid back. Hunters hunting each other. Hunting and killing and stealing and that's just normal Greek pagan Christian culture. That's what it is. And don't get too uh, don't get into the religious demon on the music thing either. You know, it's not oh I'm gonna you know. Don't get into that. Just understand there's a spirit of religion, and that is the Prince of Greece. Okay? And one more interesting thing about this Prince of Greece. For the Jews first Corinthians one twenty two, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But that word wisdom here is the accusative feminine singular of Sophia, which is Greeks seek after Lady Wisdom. So here it translates to, and I looked it up in the Hebrew, Chokmah. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek wisdom. But the word Hokma here, it's feminine. In Hebrew, many of the nouns ending in hey. Final hay are typically feminine. So the Prince of Greece hunts Lady Wisdom. They hunt. right? Why was there no place for wisdom among the children of men? So there's a lot of cosmic mysteries here. But understand, every one of these religious demons are trying to keep you from walking in wisdom, which is purity, which is the path to divine destiny. And so all these things be exposed and destroyed. And that's Daniel 8:21. The shaggy-haired goat is the nation of Greece. That's that goat of Pan and his labyrinth of Greek, Christian, paganism, and confusion that blocks true wisdom from dwelling with the people of God.
0: All right. I think that's good for today. We'll continue next Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. May the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ continue to circumcise your hearts and minds to grow closer to him through the Holy Spirit. And just thank you, Father, for the work you're doing in each and every life that we're speaking to right now, that you are faithful to finish what you began in them for your kingdom and your glory. Amen. Amen. See you guys Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed viewers of RLM TV, thank you for joining us in this sacred space where we come together to explore the profound teachings of the Bible. Today I stand before you to extend a heartfelt invitation to support RLM TV, a platform that endeavors to bring the timeless wisdom of the Scriptures into the homes and hearts of believers around the world. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 7. We are reminded that wisdom is the principal thing, and with all our getting, we should get understanding. TV is dedicated to providing that understanding to unravel the layers of divine knowledge embedded in the Holy Scriptures. Your support is crucial in allowing us to continue this noble mission. As we embark on this journey, let us draw inspiration from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where Jesus instructs His disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. RLM aspires to fulfill this divine commission by reaching out to souls across the globe, illuminating their lives with the light of God's Word. Your generous contributions play a pivotal role in sustaining this beacon of enlightenment. The Gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 38 encourages us with the promise that when we give, It will be given to us in good measure pressed down shaken together and running over by supporting rlm tv you are sowing seeds of spiritual abundance not only for yourselves but for countless others who will reap the harvest of god's grace through this ministry in the book of malachi chapter 3 verse 10 we are challenged to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in god's house rlm tv is that spiritual storehouse where the sustenance of God's Word is shared abundantly. Your financial contributions ensure that the storehouse remains full, allowing us to continue feeding the hungry souls seeking nourishment for their faith. In conclusion, let us heed the words of Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, which assures us that our God will supply every need of ours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. As you consider contributing to RLM TV, know that you are partaking in a divine partnership to spread the richness of God's glory through the medium of internet and television. Thank you for your attention, and may your hearts be moved to support RLM TV as we journey together in the pursuit of spiritual enlightenment and understanding. God bless you abundantly. Amen.